that we're in this fall is called Jumping Hurdles, and we're exploring some of the great stories in the Bible of great people that we view as great people to learn some life lessons for ourselves. So each of the people in these stories, the reason it's a great story is because they face some challenge. They face some hurdle in their lives, and through faith, they were able to overcome that. And so we want to learn from those stories. The reason they're in the Bible is just so we can learn from them, so that we also, when we face hurdles and challenges in our lives, we can also receive God's help. 1 Peter 4, verse 2 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. And so this verse speaks of a trial or, or a hurdle in life as a, as a fiery trial. And that seems a little more dangerous than a hurdle, doesn't it? So uh, some of the hurdles are, are a bit scary. And we learn from these verses that these fiery trials that God allows to come into our lives are there to test us. And what are they testing us for? They're testing to see if our faith in God is, is real, uh, that we're going to trust God to help us through this trial. And Peter warns us, don't be surprised. Something, oh, why is this happening to you, happening to me? I'm surprised. He said, don't be surprised. It's, it's going to happen, but God is there with you. God wants you to know that he's going to never leave you or forsake you. And so if we're not to be surprised when these trials come to us, how should we react? Well, the next verse tells us. It says, but rejoice insofar as as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And so when we face these hurdles or fiery trials in our lives, we are to rejoice. Now, that's not easy, is it? That's not easy at all. Uh, a number of things that God tells us to are not easy, but as we do it, we receive the blessing. And we see that these fiery trials, it says in this verse that we are sharing Christ's suffering. So they do bring some suffering into our lives. They're, they're not necessarily things that we might welcome. But we are to rejoice when God allows them to come. Why? Because when we look to eternity, it says we're going to receive a reward. It says at the very end of the verse, we'll be glad when his glory is revealed. That speaks of the return of Christ. And so everything that we suffer in life, we're going to be rewarded for as we accept God's help to take us through that. And today we're going to talk about Roadmap to success. So how can these fiery trials or these hurdles that God allows into our lives, how can they lead us to success in life? Now, first of all, we need to define what do we mean when we say success. 1 John 2 verse 17 says, And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now, the world and its desires, they define success as accumulating things or perhaps accumulating power or accumulating fame or possessions. And the world views that as success in life. But this verse tells us that success in life is doing the will of God. As we do God's will, 
That brings success into our lives. It says those who do God's will are going to abide forever. That means to have eternal life. And that really is the most important thing that we could live for. Those whose lives are devoted to accumulating worldly things are going to have nothing for eternity. Those who do God's will will abide forever. And so the stories that we look at in this series and the story that we're going to look at this morning are talking about people who have done God's will. And they have had success in life. Now, that doesn't mean they were perfect. Uh, we can see mistakes that they made. But overall, they had faith. They trusted God. They did his will. Now, as we go through these stories, I'd like us to think about the question, was doing God's will for these people easy or hard? Well, if you've been following along and you know some of the stories, you'll discover that doing God's will was hard. It wasn't the easy thing. Why? Because of these hurdles and fiery trials that come into our lives are there. And they are what makes things hard in our lives. But God is there to help us to overcome them. And that's why they're great stories. God helped people in the past to overcome the hurdles or trials in their life. And he can help you and I today. And as we pass these tests, we're going to grow stronger to continue to achieve success and have eternal impact with our lives. Now today we're going to look at a story of two brothers. Two brothers, uh, just a few years apart in age, who submitted to God's will in difficult circumstances. And it's going to help us to learn how to submit to God's will in our own lives and follow God's roadmap to success. First of all, it's important to understand that God's plan is best. Our story begins in Exodus chapter 4 verse 10. It says, but Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. Now let's give a little background to where this verse fits in. God's plan was to deliver his people from slavery in Egypt. They'd been there 400 years, enormous amount of time, longer than the United States been in existence, 400 years. And now God wanted to deliver his people from slavery in Egypt. And so God called Moses, who had been trained and raised in the palace in Egypt, but was now living as a shepherd. God called Moses to lead his people out of Israel. But Moses was very reluctant. And he began to argue with God. He was first of all worried that the people would not believe that God had spoken to him. And so God gave Moses some supernatural miracles to perform to show the people that God was really with him. But in the verse that we just read, Moses was complaining that he wasn't able to speak well enough to be a leader. It seems that Moses had this common fear of public speaking. He didn't want to speak. God replied to him, well, Moses, I created your mouth. I can teach you how to speak. And then Moses said, God, just send somebody else. Pick somebody else. I don't want to do this job. Well, that didn't make God happy. It says, then the anger of the Lord, verse 14, was kindled against Moses. And he said, 
Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, as he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. And so God began to get angry at Moses for resisting his plan, for arguing with him and and resisting God's will, but the Lord was patient with Moses. And so he said, okay, if you don't feel confident to do this, I'm going to raise up your brother Aaron to be your spokesman. And this verse says, Aaron was glad to see Moses, and it seems that Aaron didn't argue with God about doing what God was asking him to do. And so God directed Moses to tell Aaron what to say in private, and then Aaron would be the spokesman for Moses in a public setting. And so we see that's what happened in verse 30. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And so not only did Aaron speak for Moses in public as he heard Moses tell him what to speak, he also did the supernatural signs. And so we see that Moses was reluctant to do this public speaking, but he accepted God's plan. He accepted God's plan to be the leader of Israel and bring them out of Egypt. He understood that God's plan was the best. So let's talk for a few minutes about God's plan for our lives. God's plan for our lives is not all about us. It's all about Him. And as believers, we are to live out God's plan. We are to live for Him, to live for His plan and not ours. As we see from Moses' example, God's plan for our lives is not always the first thing we might want to do. It often involves God, it often involves God calling us to do things we don't think that we can do. We don't think we may have the ability to do it, but as we submit to the plan, God will make a way. And over time, we realize that God's ways and God's plans are, are the best. They're the best for God's kingdom, and they're best for us as well. Maybe in this season of your life, you may feel like you're arguing with God like Moses. God, I don't want to do this. God, I can't do this. You're reluctant to do some of the things that God is calling you to do. But the best example in this story was Aaron. Aaron didn't argue. He said, okay, God, if you want me to be my brother's spokesman, I'm going to do it. And he gladly did it. And Moses went along with God's plan. I call it God's plan B. Uh, he wasn't going for plan A, and God was gracious. He was patient. He gave him plan B, and Moses said, okay, we can do that. And as we'll see, Ultimately, they had great success. And we also must understand that God's plan is best and God will help us with that plan. Now, Moses still needed to do something else. He needed to overcome his doubts. Exodus 6, 29, as we go on with the story, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. And so as the story went on, our story continues. It's over a multitude of chapters, so we're just going to talk about it. Moses and Aaron went to meet Pharaoh, the leader of the world power of Egypt. They spoke to him and they requested that he let the people of Israel go. The people who were building his buildings, his pyramids or whatever. 
his slaves, Moses asked him to let them go. Well, Pharaoh did not listen to them. In fact, he made the working conditions harder for the Israelites who were working as his slaves. And this did not make the Israelites happy with Moses. Now they were having even a harder time. And Moses began to doubt. Lord, I've done what you asked me to do, and things are getting worse, not better. And so the Lord here in verse 29 again told Moses to speak to Pharaoh everything that he told him to speak. Well, Moses began to argue again. Moses said to the Lord in verse 30, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? Moses was thinking, well, Pharaoh didn't listen the first time. How is this going to work, God? I, I'm not a good speaker. My lips aren't functioning well. They're, he says they're uncircumcised. Uh, they're not really... I don't know exactly what that means, but uh, it's not a positive thing. He didn't think he had the speaking ability to convince the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh had restricted giving the people the straw that they needed to build the bricks. At the beginning, they had all the straw they needed, and now they had to get the straw from the fields themselves, and their quota for bricks had not changed. And so they were becoming very upset with Moses. Verse 1 of chapter 7, And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. And so the Lord again spoke to Moses to encourage him. Even after Moses was arguing, even after Moses was doubting, he assured Moses that he had made him God's spokesman, that he had made him a figure of divine authority to the Pharaoh, somebody who would ultimately bring the judgment of God on this pagan nation. And Aaron was to be the prophet. He was to be the one who spoke the words that God gave to Moses. And so God was helping Moses to overcome his doubts one step at a time, showing Moses that God was there to give him supernatural power. And so not only would God give Moses the words to say, he would give those words, he would cause those words to ultimately bring about the release of Israel from Egypt. And ultimately, that's what happened. We're not going to go through the whole story, but God brought judgment on Egypt, the leaders, and its gods, its idols that it's worshipped through the ten plagues. Remember uh, from the Bible about that. And God's power finally convinced Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go. And so God's plan was fulfilled, even though Moses was reluctant. And he overcame his doubts with God's help. And God will work with you. He'll work with me to overcome the doubts that we may have about God's plan. And so sometimes the hurdles that God allows to come into our lives today can cause us to doubt. We may begin to question God's or our ability to jump those hurdles or to overcome the trials or tests that God allows into our lives. Sometimes, I might say oftentimes, it might take longer than we think to 
pass a test that comes into our lives. But we can take encouragement from Moses' interactions with God. Moses expressed his doubts to God. Moses argued with God. But what was Moses doing right? He was talking to God. He was expressing to God what was in his heart. And as he conversed with God, God made a way for Moses to carry out his will. Perhaps some of us today are struggling with God's direction in some area of our own lives. Perhaps we're struggling for, to witness to somebody who's not saved. It might be a friend, might be a relative. Or perhaps God is dealing with some of us in the use of our time. Or maybe he's calling you to make some change in your lifestyle. But whatever it may be, God is going to equip you to do what he's calling you to do. He will patiently help us to overcome our doubts and carry out his will. And so we must commit fully to God's plan. We're going to jump way over to Exodus chapter 29 now and verse 1. Now this is what you shall do to them, this is God speaking to Moses, to consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. Take one bull of the herd and two rams without blemish. And so with this verse, we're jumping ahead a number of chapters in Exodus. Israel has been released from slavery in Egypt. Uh, they've gone to Mount Sinai and there God has given through Moses the Ten Commandments. And he's given Moses other instructions, including this verse. These instructions were for Moses to consecrate Aaron, his brother, three years older than Moses, and his sons as priests. And as priests, they would represent the people before God in the tabernacle. And to follow God's plan for Aaron's life, Moses needed to consecrate Aaron. To be consecrated is to be fully set apart for God's plan. To be committed fully to God's plan. And the first aspect of this consecration was the sacrifice of some animals. Why were animals sacrificed in the Old Testament? For the forgiveness of sins. Uh, it was a, a way back then looking forward to the sacrifice of Christ that their sins were dealt with. Next, after that aspect of the consecration, verse 4, you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Second part of consecration, the washing of Aaron and his sons to make them clean and pure. The New Testament speaks of cleansing by washing with water through the word of God. And so I believe this is a picture, a symbol of those who are fully committed to God's plan must not only be forgiven, they are cleansed by God's word as they read it, as they apply it to their lives. And finally, in verse 7, it says, You shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. Anointing in the Bible always represents the, the anointing or empowering by the Holy Spirit. This represents the enablement aspect of, of consecration so that God's power would reside on the priests. Now, in the New Testament, we don't have priests in churches. God calls each and every believer as a priest before God now. When we're consecrated to God 
as priests unto him, we have access into the presence of God through prayer, access to God's presence. We're able to approach God as we are consecrated and committed fully to God's plan. And so I believe this morning as Moses consecrated Aaron, his brother, and his sons, God calls each one of us to consecrate ourselves to him, to commit ourselves fully to following God's plan for our lives. Now, God's plan for each of our lives is different. None of us has identical plans uh, that God has for us. Consecration involves committing and recommitting our lives to follow God in purity and in holiness, putting our doubts behind us and trusting God for his direction. Consecration is not just thinking, what is the minimum I can do for God? It's God, how can I serve you with my whole heart, with my whole mind, with my whole strength? God, how can I walk by the standards in your word? God, how can I have the power of the Holy Spirit upon me? How can I follow your roadmap for success? We must commit ourselves fully to God's plan. So today we've looked at the life of a reluctant Moses battling his doubts. And it's encouraging to me as we look at the stories of what we would call the heroes of faith in the Bible. They have their faults, just as I know I do. And so it encourages me that God helped Moses to overcome his doubts. God was faithful to help him. God's plan is the best. It was the best for Moses, and it's the best for us to build his kingdom. And it's the best way that we could possibly live our lives. So let's ask God to show us what his plan is. And to continue to follow that plan, even when tests or trials come into our lives, God will help us overcome, jump those hurdles in order to keep going on the path of that plan. God's plans are not easy. In fact, nobody can carry out God's plan for their life on their own. We need God's strength. We need God's wisdom. We need God's empowerment. But God's going to help us all along the way. He's going to help us overcome any doubts, any insecurities. He's going to provide for us everything we need to carry out his plan. But we must commit ourselves fully to God's plan, put aside the plans we might have, and say, God, I want to follow your path. I want to follow your plan. I need your power to follow your roadmap to success in life. Success in life is defined by you. Success in life is defined by following your will and not my own. And as we do that, as we follow God's plan, we're going to have the best life we could possibly have on this earth, and we're going to make an impact for eternity. This morning, I want to give everyone here an opportunity to commit or recommit your life to Jesus Christ. To do that, you need to admit that you've sinned, that Uh, Sin basically is following our own plan for our lives rather than God's. It's basically what sin is. We admit that we've sinned, we repent, we turn away from it. We believe that Jesus died to forgive our sins. 
We ask him to forgive us and we commit ourselves to following him and his plan for our lives. And so let's bow our heads right now. If you'd like to recommit your life to him or commit for the first time, I'd encourage you to pray with me something like this. Father, today I admit that I've been following my own plan for my life and not yours. I repent, I turn away from that, from that sin. And I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven, come into my life. I believe that you rose from the dead and you're alive today. I commit myself to following you and your plan for my life for this, from this day forward. Father, today we, we understand and we affirm that your plan for our lives is the best. God, we know that there are going to be hurdles and tests that come into our lives. The things that may bring doubts or fear into our hearts. And we ask for your help that we might overcome those doubts. And continue on with that path that you have for us. That you'll help us to jump the hurdles that have come into our lives. The trials that are testing us, God. That we wouldn't turn our backs on you, but we would press into you. That we would talk to you. And receive your encouragement. Today we commit ourselves fully to your plan. We're not looking for the easy way out. We're looking for your way. A way that will bring glory to you. A way that will make an eternal impact. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.